All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mission Daily. This is Stephanie Postles, your host, and I'm joined by Albert Chow. Albert, how's it going? How's it? Listen, you're going to inspire me right now with some reading, yeah? I know. I always do. I told you today we're going to talk about what I'm reading um, because this book that I'm reading, I will say we have executives come on our shows obviously all the time, many of which have, you know, wrote a book before or two or three. Um, I don't oftentimes always read their books because obviously we're busy and I don't have time, but I felt called to reading this book called Stories and Heart. It's written by the CEO of Build-A-Bear, Sharon Price John. And so I was chatting with her the other day. We were on a Zoom call just talking about a couple different ideas of content we were maybe wanting to make around kids. And she starts dropping these concepts, which I was like, okay, you think a little different than other executives that I've heard from before. So she said, go check out my book. I think you'll like it. So I want to start today's episode with a quote because I think it will send us into who knows where, but I'm like, this is something I want to talk about. And the quote goes, The beautiful thing is, since the stories we weave around our life experiences are choices, not only can we consciously select empowering meanings for current events, we can also choose to rewrite stories, to weave around events that have already happened. This is not about pretending to change the past. Facts are facts. This is about recognizing that your perception or interpretation of what those facts mean or don't mean to you can be limiting or liberating your belief structure, which in turn impacts your future choices and therefore your life. So that was written by the CEO of Build-A-Bear. And I thought, wow, first off, I sent that picture of that quote to about 10 people because what I've seen, you know, not just with other people, myself, anyone, it is very easy to get into a victim mindset when bad things are happening, especially when you feel like, I didn't do this. You know, I didn't bring this into my life. This wasn't because of my choices. So-and-so is doing this to me. Whatever. My, it's my childhood growing up. Traumas, blah, blah, blah. You hear all these, you know, thoughts and ideas around why something is happening to you or to them instead of maybe for them. And when I read that quote about, you know, how do you actually think about the perception of those events and how that really can change your whole future and narrative on life, I just thought that's very empowering. And I wanted to talk about that today with you. Yeah. So this quote actually very much so reminds me of, um, it reminds me of my mom, my mom, it's on her, uh, you know, it's on her, I don't even know what to call it. It's like on her plaque for, you know, it's not a grave. I don't know what they call the thing. It's not, she doesn't have a tombstone, but it says everything is the best arrangement. And my mom really did believe that, which is like, no matter what is happening, it's like you can make the best mm-hmm. of it kind of, um, and it can be the best thing for you. And there is no such thing as fair or not fair. So mm-hmm. she used to say everything is the best arrangement. And this quote kind of just reminded me of that. It's like, hey, whatever you want to see is actually what you will see, right? If you think that people are being unfair to you, then you're going to have, like you just said, a victim's mentality. If you think, hey, it doesn't matter what these people think about me, I'm going to keep doing my thing. Maybe it's empowerment or motivation. Um, maybe you're able to take advice, learn something from someone that maybe you're supposed to dislike. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but like it, it did remind me of my mom. And so because of that, I'm going to say hundred percent, I agree with, I agree with this statement hundred percent. And I, and I got many stories to kind of, I guess, demonstrate it. Yep. Yep. I mean, the one thing I was thinking about with this quote too, is there are so many quotes from, you can call them philosophers, teachers, all these people that I think I have read over the years that are kind of 
you know, at the very bottom of it, it's this. I mean, you think about the quote where it's like, wherever you go, there you are. I remember reading that and being like, huh, what does that really mean? I mean, you know, I like, what does that exactly mean? And I'm reading, thinking into it. And it's like, it's like you read a quote like this. It's like, well, wherever, whatever your it, yeah, It's not good is, or bad. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, it's what are, it is. And if, if you think it's good, it's good. If you think it's bad, it will be bad. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's where I'm just like, how powerful our mind is. I mean, I think it's, you know, barely even explored what someone's mindset can do when it comes to determining your future. And I mean, there's so many concepts too that are going to be in this book I already know because uh, Sharon is very into manifesting and thinking, you know, abundantly and all this. But I think that it's not stressed enough how powerful our minds are, how little of our minds we're actually using and what it can do when you change your perception on either past events or even future events. I mean, you think about the concept of manifesting, why, at least I believe in this, and I there's so many stories of why I manifested to get into places, like accidentally or not, where I was like, damn, I literally thought myself here. What did I do? And I mean, that was me at Fannie Mae, where I'm like, damn it, I literally did thought about this every day. But your mind is powerful. And when you put yourself into that state emotionally and like visualizing it, I mean, you will probably soon find yourself in that exact spot. And so if every day you're visualizing, thinking about bad things, you're putting your whole body in that state ready to act as if like, and then you get in that state and you're like, oh, why does it keep happening to me? And then you write a whole story around that instead of, you know, like she's talking about, like change the story around it. Facts are facts, but you can also create a whole new future, but it depends on your perception of what's happening. So, yeah, I, I got I mean, I have to tell this kind of story about my parents because it's so applicable. Um, so my parents, both of them are from Taiwan, moved to the United States. My dad came here first. He gets a scholarship and gets a master's degrees in statistics and mathematics. Way to be stereotypically Asian. But OK, go, dad, go. Right. And he gets his degrees. And my mom comes over as well. My mom went to secretary school in in Taiwan. She didn't grow up getting a high level degree or anything like that. But I distinctly remember being in high school age, middle school age, high school age, right around that time frame where they really started noticing, like my dad kind of was an excuse led person. Like Mm -hmm. he really believed in, uh, he really believed that, you know, he was the victim of potentially racism. He really believed he was a victim of having broken English uh, because his English wasn't very good. And my mom just kind of always would yell at him (laughs) and I would observe it (laughs) of being like, kind of she would kind of and and, and and she wasn't yelling at him like but but she was and she was like well what are you going to do about it mm-hmm. it's like you don't practice english you don't and then and, and my mom was like if you want if you know that's the problem then you have to practice your english yeah. so my mom practiced all the time now my mom didn't have perfect english either but it was better than my dad's right mm-hmm. because she chose to practice it and he would always talk about how he wasn't getting promoted because he was Asian. And she'd be like, I get promoted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Asian. <laughs> right? I don't have a master's degree. And so my mom kind of always set the standard in our household for me and my brother. Like, there are no excuses. Mm-hmm. There is no set. And she's like, she was even like, it doesn't matter if there's racism because you cannot do anything about it. It's like if you were sitting there and she was, you know, I'm paraphrasing a lot, but kind of just taught me and my brother, like, even if you told me everyone in your company doesn't like you because you're Asian, what are you going to do about it? She basically would not allow you to say that your answer 
or she would tell us as kids, your answer can't be that I'm just going to be a victim. Like, I'm just going to be, she'd be like, get another job, get another skill, make it so overwhelmingly obvious that you are better than your peers, that you have to get promoted. Mm-hmm. And that's what she would always do. Like, well, what's it take for me to get promoted? And they'd be like, oh, you have to do this and this. So she would go do it. <laughs> and, and she played a very, I would say long game. She was a very patient person, but it was just awesome, I guess, you know, because you don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. You don't know when it's happening. But when you look, when I look back on it, that's where me and my brother got our attitudes from. It's like, it does not matter what the world around you is doing to you. If you can do something about it, you owe it to yourself almost mm-hmm. to, to do something. That's why I love this quote. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, it is exactly, there is no good or bad. Or like, like you said, <laughs> you are exactly where you Wherever you go, there you are. Yep. Wherever you go, there you are. It's like, right? It's if you believe people are holding you back or things are holding you back, then you'll never succeed because you're mm-hmm. always going to be stuck trying to be a victim or not opening your eyes or I don't even know how to, what else is going on. But yep. if you embrace challenge, you at least have a chance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's yeah. how I think of life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I've seen an interesting trend where, you know, it, in one way it's good because people at least here in Austin are trying to look into like, why am I what I am and like childhood and all this kind of stuff, which I think is fine. But then I think you can also get into a place where it's like, well, this one thing happened to me when I was 12 that literally set me off on the whole course of my life. And like, it's because of that and my relationship with my mom. And like, sometimes I hear that and I'm like, it's interesting to explore and look at. And now you're 40. So like now (laughs) there, you know, you got to figure out how to work around that. And is there a way that maybe you can actually change your perception on what happened when you were younger, where you're saying that was a pivotal moment in your life and it just threw you off course. Like maybe you can actually look back and be like, you know what? My parents weren't the best. Something happened and like they were doing the best they could. And because of that, here's ways that I'm actually, you know, grew. Maybe it's around entrepreneurship or risk taking. I know in another book I'm reading right now, he was essentially talking about like the best entrepreneurs are the ones who didn't get picked up from school on time and always were trying to figure out like, you know, different variables in their life that you could go back and look on your parents and be like, oh, they were the worst. Or that really helped grow, you know, my resiliency or whatever it might be. And so I think it's important to just, you know, like what your mom was doing. It's like, how do you actually examine the situation and not be a victim to whatever's happening and just look at that and be like, I'm going to take it in strides. I'm going to learn from it, grow from it. And uh, yeah, just not look at it and be like, oh, what was me? Like, there's nothing I can do about it. Hard things just yeah. keep happening to me. Yeah. My mom, my mom was very much just a hardcore, like, kind of like, it does not matter. Like, it was more, it was more like in defiance. Like, she was like, it does not matter what is happening to you. She's like, it, all that matters is what you're going to do next. So mm-hmm. in this quote, right, it's like, it's exactly what she's saying. This is not about pretending to change the past or, or the present, I guess. You could, I'm going to put the present in there, right? Facts are facts. This is about recognizing your perception or interpretation of those facts. And that's going to be what changes what you can do next. And I think that happens in career. I mean, it happens a lot in careers and relationships. Uh, people, uh, I mean, I'll start with career since Mission Daily. I think a lot of things are, career, I think, career oriented in this uh, in this podcast. It's like when you go through hard times, when you go through marketplace changes, right? And I always, and I've joked with people in startups before, it's like, well, you, 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 the way you talk makes it sound like you have a right to earn money on the product or service that you have. It's like, no, 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 dude, you got to earn that every day. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, like you have to earn the right to get a sale. And 
I think that more people would just benefit from thinking that way. It's like you, you no one owes you anything. There is no one that owes you anything. You're, mm-hmm. If no one's buying your product, probably got to change it. Yep. If no one's buying your service, probably got to reprice it. I don't know. There's always something you can do or have to figure out a way to redo it. So I think that's a, it's just such an applicable mindset. I think yeah. it's, it's yeah. just very applicable. You want to know, uh, hear another good quote from someone smart who said something similar? Albert Einstein. He said, the most important decision we make is whether we believe we live in a friendly or hostile universe. Same kind of thing. It's like, if you think you're in a friendly universe, okay, that's probably you'll look around and see friendlies. You'll look around and see it being a friendly world. If you think it's a hostile universe, everything's going to feel hostile. Everything's going to feel hard. Everything's going to be like, you know, yeah, just maybe feel angry. And so once again, it's like all these quotes that I think I've seen pop up. I don't know why it clicked when I read Sharon's book, but that was like the first time it really clicked, even though I already think that way. And I already think mindset's very important. And I, you know, I talk a lot about that, as you all know. Um, but it really clicked when I read her quote about that. So that Einstein quote reminds me of a different thing, uh, which which is um, bears and bulls make money, but pigs get slaughtered. Mm-hmm. And I always think like whether you believe the world's friendly or hostile, I do think that your mentality of what you will do about it is actually the key. Because yeah. I think you could succeed either way. I think you could succeed with allies. I think mm-hmm. you could succeed with thinking everyone's against me. Yeah. But only if you think that you have an answer. Mm-hmm. I, I I think the what you said earlier, which is like the hugest problem, is like if you believe you cannot change your present or your future, mm-hmm. that's when you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's when you're like, dude, you are and we might need to edit that out, but that's when you're like in serious trouble because mm-hmm. you are now saying that you have no control over your next five years. I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And I'm that's actually um an interesting point about action. I know you and I talk about, you know, nothing matters unless you take action. But I was reading earlier, there's this neuroscientist woman who came out with a book where she was talking about like the science of thought and manifesting things or whatever. And her, like, she was essentially talking about you need to combine strong intentions, which have feelings and belief, as in your mind needs to be actually thinking positively about changing something. You have to combine Mm -hmm. that with sufficient action (laughs) to create a desired outcome. (laughs) So you can't just think positively. You also have to like let that positive feeling and getting your mind in that state of like, I can do something. And I'm going to, I mean, they talk about basketball players all the time, how they're just sitting there constantly, you know, thinking about making that shot or whatever over and over and over again, like how that mental game is more important. That is manifesting, even though that's like a more woo-woo term 100%. than what they're using, Like that is literally manifesting that, that action. Uh, but every then they kid, get in the game every kid and they that, do the action. Yeah. Every kid that's played a sport mm-hmm. dreams of taking that last shot. And then there's like a literal living case of someone who's mentally frying right before our eyes right now. I know you're not a big basketball fan, but like Ben Simmons has gone from the number one pick in the draft to like a guy that's scared to shoot. Like he's literally scared to shoot the basketball. Why? What happened to him? I'm not, we got made fun of a lot. The press was on him a lot for, Hmm. then there was a moment in the NBA playoffs a handful of years ago. uh, He had really easy opportunity to, to dunk the ball he's six foot eleven and mm-hmm. the guy coming at him was like five five eleven six foot tall trey young he chose to pass it up mm-hmm. and they said that moment in time when his team needed him the most which is the easiest shot ever in the game of basketball mm-hmm. he passed it up and like 
people were saying like, we know he's mentally toast. He's mentally toast. So this is a guy that averaged like 17 points a game to now he can't even get on the court. Like he doesn't like yeah. it's, So then like, what is his mental game? Like, I mean, that's I don't like, know. Cause I mean, this is, is not a physical being... problem. Yeah, it's exactly. what you're saying. It's not a physical problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many stories I've had where I just realized this power after the fact. Um, I think I've shared this with you before, but my first job out of college was Fannie Mae, like mortgage yep. finance. I was working in economics and finance and I mean, I'm from East. But not Ver- like an exciting mortgage. No, you weren't no. working at Rocket. You no. weren't working at Rocket. I was mortgage. not working. <laughs> it was not anywhere exciting. However, what I realized was, you know, I'm from Eastern Shore, Maryland. I was trying to get off the Eastern Shore. Most of my family's all there. Most of them did not leave that area. And I was like, I got to get out of here. And so every day in school, I would imagine myself. And I mean, I'm like, you know, a college kid. So what I know in my small little bubble, small hometown is that what's cool, being in a corporate office, in DC, like cubicles, people in suits. Like I literally would think about this every day of like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be working in finance and I'm going to be in this kind of environment and I'm going to be able to like, be able to have a garden in my view and in DC, a cool area. And I remember I got that job and it was like six months later, I'm looking around, I'm like, hot damn, I literally put myself here and why did I do this? And it's fine. It's like, (laughs) <laughs> I I know I had to go through that process. But you didn't know like, you didn't know that you didn't know it was not going to be a fit until until you experienced yeah, it. Yeah, like though. I literally thought like that was my dream. And so now what I always you know when I'm talking to different you know friends and stuff about this is that I realize how important it is to really make sure you focus on the things that you actually want because so many people don't even know what they want in life. If you ask them. What do you really want? Like, what does that job look like? What does that family structure look like? Like, what do you want your life to look like? Most people aren't very clear on, you know, I want to be like this and feel like this and look like this and, you know, income like this, whatever. Like, they're just not that clear. And that's where I just think that if you don't train your mind on what you actually want, you won't get it. And so my challenge to you, I mean, I've been doing this a lot lately to that basketball player is finding time. Ben Simmons. <laughs> ben Simmons, if you out there, like I'm going to give you advice even if you don't want it. Um, but it's like I will literally every Sunday take time. You can call it meditate. You can call it whatever you want. But just to work with my mind, train my mind on like, what do I really want? And I will imagine that scenario. I will see how it will feel. I will get my body in that state of like, this is what it's going to look like and feel like over the next couple years and make sure I actually am clear on where I want to go. Because training that mind is just as important as being six foot whatever on a basketball court and doing the thing. You have to be able to imagine yourself there and your body has to remember that state. So they're like, oh yeah, I'm building for that. That's like what we've been training for now for like six months and that's what I've been building for. And so super important. That's my challenge with for anyone out there who wants to uh, try it out. I think it's probably the most powerful thing that people can do. So I will begrudgingly admit I now... I do a form of what you just described. You I don't do? Call it manifestation. I don't I'm call so, it manifestation. I don't care what you call, I don't call it. it. I'm that. so surprised. Usually you and I, I are know. so. I know. I, when you, oh, when you I'm say pulling this, you I'm like, into oh, my woo. <laughs> you'll never. But I do a, I do a version of it. And <laughs> But, you know, in the last episode, I talked about how, like, I, I noticed myself becoming less happy because I was following, you know, like, let's say these success. On, there's definitely mm-hmm. a lot of success influencers that kind of try to teach you about success yeah. and I was following them and I was like, man, I really noticed like, I was like in a bad mood. Cause I was like, dude, I can't do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, so you'll see, for example, 
let's use like fancy cars or fancy vacations. We all, I think have, we know how much these things cost. And so when we see these things, we're like, oh, they have the money. But what we're not paying attention to sometimes when you might see and envy, let's say the car. And I don't, I'm not a fancy car guy, but I like the idea that I could have enough money that that would if be an option. One. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so we fail to look at like, well, how did they get there? And would you be willing to do what they did? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I hear of, uh, you know, I'll use that example. Like, do I, do I, do I, when I think back to it, do I like look at um, any successful entrepreneur? Like, uh, we'll, we'll go back to Hermosi since he's very high profile. It's like, have I dreamt ever about doing what he does? It's like, no, mm-hmm. I've never dreamt about owning a gym. I've never dreamt about teaching people how to sell gym memberships. I've never dreamt about like being on the phone, banging it all the time, trying to sell gym memberships. Even if I was selling them at a high clip. I've never dreamt about those things. So why do I care about his, not that I care, but like his outcomes will never match my, me, because that's not what I dream about doing. And so I think about when I, when I was in that state, I was thinking back to like, man, there's really only two entrepreneurs. I really, I think look up to. Let me guess. Base camp guy. No, no. It's actually, because I don't, I don't program software. Yeah. Okay. I thought I, I more was like, you looked up to him because of like how he built companies and remotely and all that, but okay. Yeah. Darn. Well, well, I, I really look up to, um, Matt Biolos who owns yeah. Lost Enterprises mm-hmm. and I look up to Jay Carpenter, who is the founder of Burton Snowboards. He's since mm-hmm. passed away. But if, uh, a, a documentary I want to recommend people is uh, Dear Rider. It's about Jay Carpenter. Okay. Uh, it, it was on HBO Max and- this guy was basically he his goal wasn't the money. His goal literally his goal was to snowboard 200 days a year. Like that was his goal. <laughs> and along the way, I mean he was also a very good businessman like he I it was interesting. I found out about Burton Snowboards because they bought Channel Islands, which at the time was like the biggest surfboard brand because they sponsored Kelly Slater. And I was like, mm-hmm. how does he have enough money to buy this? You know what I mean? Like it was and so I started reading about him. And even though I never was into snowboarding or anything like that, I just love the idea that he dedicated his life to chasing that thing mm-hmm. because, you know, he's got whatever. He has got more money than people can probably ever dream of having. But one of the things that he talked about is uh, in the movie, and it's really great, is he, he, he encounters what's like a near-death sickness. Like he almost dies. Mm-hmm. and. His only focus when he gets healthy again is snowboarding with his family. And I was like, that's like the purest form of life that yeah. there is. And so it's like a nice, so in your world, you call it manifestation. It's like, man, sometimes I think to myself, you're looking at the wrong thing. And I have to remind myself, like, mm-hmm. that's what makes me disappointed in myself. It's like mm-hmm. when you start looking at the wrong thing, it's like, it's, I screwed it up. And so. Yeah you know, returning back to what I covet the most and want to do the most and what brings me the most joy is ultimately where I want to go. You know what I mean? So like that, that's, that's my version of your manifestation. Yeah. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same, but yeah. It's the same. Yeah. It's the same. <laughs> Who knew? We have the same ideas. We just had a, you know, kind of circle around it a little bit until we got to the same concept. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that. A lot of the times when, um, I've, I'm also reading about it and thinking about it. It is, one, like you said, it is on the outcome. And that's why I keep overemphasizing like that feeling or where you're going to be and kind of like what the emotions will be tied to it. Uh, it's not always just about money because if you want those certain things, like money will come if you are in 
like in flow with your dreams and you're working on things in that area like you're talking about where he's like I just want to be snowboarding okay what do you know money followed while he built up great things in that industry and so I think if you're focusing on the outcome and really figuring out like what works best for me what do I love what outcomes do I want like you're mentioning then everything else will come with it and your needs will be met um, as long as you're just not scattered everywhere and just letting your mind wander of like oh now I need to go and buy you know acquire 50 businesses oh now I need to go and do this 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 because all these people are telling me so yeah how to growth hack your way to your first million dollars is like yeah I don't Shouldn't know if he ever thought million. about that. He never thought about that. He thought about like, because he was so dedicated to snowboarding. He never stopped thinking about how, well, how good can snowboarding be? And, uh, or how, how popular can it be? How do I make this more popular? And uh, mm-hmm. he, he, there was a, there's a scene in the movie, which is, I didn't realize this, but like um, in the very beginning, snowboarding was more like figure skating. It wasn't about all the tricks and stunts mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like it was almost like, what could you do on the flat snow and stuff like that? And he noticed that people didn't really like watching it. So he was like, well, I want to change that up. I got to make them do or ask them to do crazy stuff. And he found a guy that could do crazy stuff and he invested in him. He was like, hey, you know, and, th- and this is pre-Sean Y, pre-all those people. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you seem to do crazy tricks. Like, yeah. And these guys are making no money. He's like, I'll pay you money to do crazy tricks for me. <laughs> and he kind of had that vision for it, right? And then, um, you know, I'll give, give a shout out to Matt Biolos, uh, who – weirdly he's more famous by his nickname than he is by his um by his name um mayhem is his nickname like he would he would shape under the word mayhem Uh i'm sure you've seen it it's usually written in a semicircle okay what is if i were to show you the mayhem graphics you'd be like i know exactly what that is i've seen it many times yeah i'm like now i want to look so this was like in the this was in the 90s i think i know what this is i don't know i want to make sure i'm looking at the right thing what, what's so the whole company name? It's called Lost. So okay. if you, you, you typed in Mayhem Oh, Lost. okay. Yes, I do know this now. Okay. Sorry. I don't yeah, oftentimes look at surfboards. So, but now I know. <laughs> yes, I have seen this it's on It's on more t-shirts than it's on surfboards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. But Mayhem, so Mayhem, Matt Biolos started Lost Enterprises. And at the time, Lost was like the brands were all like Billabong and Quicksilver, which were more fashion brands. And then he was like, and they were, this was also in the 80s. So everything was like bright and super colorful. And he kind of went opposite of all that. He's like, dude, I'm like a grimy guy. I don't have money for sponsors. We're going to build up as like the people's board. You know what I mean? Like, and, and he, he just kind of did it his way. The story of Lost Enterprises is, is similar to, it's not, it's similar, but not because the surf industry already existed, right? Whereas snowboarding didn't exist. Like, Carpenter was creating something that didn't exist. Biolos kind of went the other way. And like, he's like, he was the one that was the one that was valuing tricks at the time. Sim- in that regard, similar. He's like, everyone's watching this. I want to support people that do that. And now Lost is one of the biggest brands in surfing. But when I, it's not whether or not it's successful or not, but like when I look at what he's done, I feel like he's accomplished and checked off a life mm-hmm. really worth living. You know what I mean? Dedicated to a sport, pursuing yeah. it. Like it's a, uh, it's pretty cool. So yeah. anyways, that's, that's, that. that's my version of manifestation. I'm like, yeah. when I start watching too many business videos, cause I'm like trying to learn how to do better videos for TikTok and stuff, <laughs> I gotta be like, well, who do I actually want to be like? And then these guys to make no videos. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> well, Carpenter's I mean, dead, but, well, but I was gonna say, first of all, yeah, one person's not even here, but what was my one tip that I told the team when I, when we started making videos, I said, we need to make stuff that we would actually watch. 
So what is everyone watching right now? I mean, it's the same kind of concept. Like, don't build stuff yeah. just because you think it's supposed to be like this. Like, who cares if we're in business, if we're in crime scene documentaries, like whatever. Like, what do I actually want to see? What content or styles resonate with me? And so, I mean, so many applications of just looking at being like, what feels good for me? And what do I actually like? And how do I just play in that space and, you know, figure it out along the way? But I will check out that movie because I want to see it now. Does that, is it a documentary or a movie? Uh, it's a documentary style okay. movie, right? It's called Dear Rider, Dear Rider. Um, which I didn't realize, but uh, apparently he became famous for this letter he would write every year for his catalog. It would always start Dear Rider. So he did that for 30 years straight. It was like, Dear Rider, this is what we're doing. It's, you know, Burton Snowboards. So, so like, cool. oh man, that is cool. Like consistent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yep. It's I'm a great, it's a great movie. He, he, there's a scene I'll never forget, or I will forget because I'm going to butcher the paraphrasing, but... <laughs> He talks about his first time going out and selling snowboards uh -huh. and like how he left with 10 and came back with 12. Anyways, he, he leaves with a certain amount and he comes back with more <laughs> than he came out with because the people he had sold to the year before still had them and didn't want them anymore and told them to take it back. Wow. And so you, when you watch it, you can think of just how many times he could have quit. Yep. Yep. That's every entrepreneur, <laughs> man. I mean, yeah. The one quote that I just received recently from a friend, uh, they said, you know, basically the best entrepreneurs are the ones who keep going. No matter what that looks like, you just have to keep going and keep trying and um, and maybe pivoting and whatever. But that stays in my mind now of like, you can't stop. You need to keep going. Even if it feels hard, crunchy, like be thoughtful about it, but you can't just stop and give up and be like, oh, I tried. I know. That's why I'm not one of the best. That's my biggest problem. <laughs> you are the best, Albert. Jeez. <laughs> Is it poker? I'll, I'll fold bullets. I'll be like, oh, man, I'm dead. Fold. Oh <laughs> well, our next episode will be on pumping up your self-esteem. But until then, <laughs> thanks to everyone for tuning in today. We hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm so glad that Albert finally came around of realizing how important manifestation is and uh with that negative we'll see you guys tomorrow <laughs> see you next time Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.